Hello and welcome back to Post Traumatic Revelations. I am your host, Ofra Caraballo, and in this episode, we are looking at anxiety and the idea of sitting in our anxiety. But first, what is anxiety? Why do we have it? How do we get it? And how does it help or hurt us? Essentially, anxiety is prolonged worry. We tend to worry about the things we care about. So what's for dinner? When should I do my homework? How do I prepare for a test or presentation? What should I wear on my date or a business meeting? Or more important things like a job, bills, mortgage, rent, getting a job or losing a job, or even bigger things like getting married or getting divorced or having a baby or losing a loved one or caring for an ailing parent. There are so many things that can worry us or concern us and create this feeling of anxiety. So anxiety can start off as worry or concern and become this debilitating disorder. So you might say stress is the seeds of anxiety disorder, but stress is natural. Stress is how the body responds to change. Stress can be a good thing. It stretches us as we change into something new. And all of nature does it. So from seed to flower to fruit, from seed to tree, from acorn to oak tree, from egg to fetus, child to adult, from sperm to sperm whale. Right, funny. Um, you get the idea. Point is, all of nature changes and grows and expands and becomes something bigger and arguably something better. The difference is that as human beings, we have the ability to think about it, to plan it, to decide if we want to change and grow. As humans, we have the gift of perception of cognition. We can plan and delay and even avoid situations that might be stressful or threatening. The ability to manage stressful situations and plan certain events can be very useful, very helpful. But when multiple events demand our time and attention, we can feel stressed, stretched, and eventually anxious. And the more attached we are to that outcome, the more we care about the situation the greater the chances for us to get anxiety. Because how we perceive an event 
what we think about a situation signals the body's stress response. So when too many small things or a big enough thing happens in our lives, our current level of coping and stress management can become stretched and extended, causing stress and, in some cases, temporary anxiety. That anxiety, that heightened state, can force us into new ways of being. We are forced to explore new options, new ways of being. We go from, I'm not sure I can do this. Can I do this? I think I can do this. And look at what I've accomplished. So the results of stress can be positive. They push us to get the new job, to get the diploma, get the raise, improve our relationships. But some changes can be overwhelming. Some changes can be absolutely devastating and completely exhaust our coping abilities. The loss of something or someone important can change us in ways that leave us doubting our ability to not only live, but to thrive. When we lose the people or things we value, we can feel disoriented, vulnerable, unsafe, threatened even. We're not sure who we are without the partner, without the job, without the house. We're not sure where we belong without our unit, without our flight. We're not sure what our purpose is without a mission, without a cause, without a paycheck, without an income. So some changes are so shocking, so traumatizing that they change not only how you are, but who you are. So depending on who you are or where you are, what you have, what you've been through, you will calculate and respond accordingly. Some people are spontaneous. They can just jump up, get in the car and take a road trip and just wing it. Stop at whatever gas station they come across stop at whatever hotel or motel they end up in when they're tired. Other people need to pack at least a toothbrush or a backpack, maybe a change of clothes and some snacks, get some idea of the route they'll be taking or where they're going to go. And then others need to pack an entire suitcase, plan for weeks, take a cooler of food, water, blankets, plan the hotel rooms, plan the stops. They need to feel a little bit more in control. And then there are some people who just will not do a road trip. They need a plane. Just get there and be done with it. Let's leave nothing to chance. And then you have people still that will not leave their homes. From carefree to phobic, we all have our own ways of showing up. Anxiety happens when something gets in the way and changes how or where you show up.
anxiety is how we respond to the possibility of losing something we care about. The more important and meaningful the thing or the person is, the more intense the feelings of anxiety can be. From a little worried or concerned to maybe a little scared and anxious to agitated or angry to paranoid and obsessed, phobic to outrage and in extreme cases, homicide. We feel worried, anxious, uneasy when we are unsure about the future, when we are unsure about what might happen. And if we have a history of trauma, these feelings of uncertainty, of concern, of anxiety are exacerbated. They're magnified. Post-traumatically, we are hypervigilant. We can become extreme, excessive, disturbing, disruptive, and unhealthy. Anxiety can become anxiety disorder, which can signal the need for professional help. A mental health professional can help with disordered thoughts and emotions because left unchecked, anxiety can become debilitating. You can end up creating your own self-induced prison. And so professional help can help us organize and find our way through it. The attempt to stay in control, in charge, in command of your environment can lead to symptoms associated with generalized anxiety disorder, obsessive compulsive disorder, panic disorder, social anxiety disorder, or even post-traumatic stress disorder. And while I don't like the word always, I can say that anxiety is always about the future. Worry about what might happen. Anxious about what could happen. Anxious or angry about what they might do, what they'll probably do. It's fear of the unknown. Fear of different, fear of change. Whether this fear is based on firsthand experience or learned from someone else, the fear feels real. And like fear of sharks, fear of snakes, fear of spiders or serial killers, most of us have never experienced this firsthand, but we've learned to avoid them. We've learned to fear them. We are born with an internal alarm system. Some might say this alarm system's outdated, but it's there nonetheless. Our fight, flight, or freeze response is activated whenever we perceive a threat, and most new things are initially perceived as a threat, triggering the alarm system. Once the new experience, the new person, the new thing is regulated, and registered as non-threatening, 
the alarm system shuts off and the new experience, the new person is incorporated into our lives. But some things happen that trigger the alarm system and we just can't register it. We can't understand it. We can't comprehend it. We can't prepare, protect, or prevent it from happening. In other words, we experience a traumatic event. The alarm system short circuits our abilities to cope and process. And we are temporarily disconnected in this freeze or dissociation response. When we are stressed for too long or suddenly threatened, our bodies respond quickly, almost without thinking. The fight, flight, or freeze response is our way of minimizing the chances of dying. First, there's fight. Our bodies release chemicals and hormones and prepare us to defend ourselves. And when that's not possible, the body redistributes blood and oxygen and release hormones and prepare us to run like crazy. And when escape is not possible, the body releases yet another dose of these chemicals and hormones that shut us down. The freeze is this near-death-like state that can last seconds, minutes, hours, days, even months, depending on the traumatic event. Anxiety disorder is actually a group of several different mental or psychological disorders that are characterized by feelings of fear and anxiety that become disruptive to our daily lives. Um, Some of the disorders in this group uh, include general anxiety disorder, obsessive compulsive disorder, and post-traumatic stress disorder. And left unchecked, mental disorders can lead to physical or medical problems. And anxiety is really a call to action. It let us know that we care. If you don't care, you don't worry. If you don't care, you have no concerns. Um, We care about our grades. We care about our job performance. We care about our appearance, our relationships, our quality of life. But when these things are connected to our survival, our sense of safety, a healthy dose of anxiety can actually be calm anxiety disorder. What do I mean by that? When what you value is lost or taken from you, you can feel like you've lost a part of yourself, which can also lead to anxiety disorder. 
when a traumatic event takes away our sense of wholeness, our sense of place and space in the world, our sense of belonging, when we no longer know who we are, where we fit in, where we belong, or who do we belong with, or what we're doing with ourselves, anxiety disorder, obsessive compulsive disorder, social anxiety, post-traumatic stress disorder, all of these are really coping strategies. They're attempts to stabilize us, to regulate us, to create some sense of control, some sense of normalcy. And maybe they're maladaptive. They may be disruptive, but they are attempts to feel safe again. Anxiety disorder and its subcategories are all attempts to feel in control again. They are coping strategies, however maladaptive, they are coping strategies to feel safe, to look normal, to feel in control, to feel clean, to feel untainted, undisturbed. Anxiety is an attempt to get ahead of any potential future danger. Anxiety is this way of living in the what if or the just in case. It's living in the future, really, trying to stay ahead of danger. But in this attempt to control what might happen, we actually miss out on what is happening and we're not enjoying the now. we get the peace we seek? How do we go from, if I just do this, I'll be safe. Or if I just do that, I'll be clean enough. Or if I just don't let this happen, I'll be okay. How do we go from chasing peace and safety to being present? There are several therapeutic approaches and religious philosophies that invite us to be in the present moment. We hear, be still and know. Be in the present. Be in the now. Be mindful. There are countless exercises to help us. And actually, some of them work. So why are so many of us still anxious? Why are we still worried? Well, because we're still alive. Simple as that. Our brains still work. And we still have our imagination. 
turns out the same tools that we use to cause anxiety are the tools we can use to reduce anxiety. We are hardwired to fear first and relax later. It takes extra effort. It takes extra attention, sometimes hard work to reprogram or reroute our neurological responses. And it's hard. It's scary. Sometimes it can be downright terrifying. But what I've learned firsthand is I've danced with my personal demons as I've negotiated with my own gatekeepers, as I sat in my own darkness, I have learned that hard is not impossible. I've learned that no matter how dark it is, there's always a light. I've seen it in my deepest, darkest moments, in the darkest places, and I've witnessed as many of my clients have uncovered their light. So I believe that in the deepest, darkest places, in those seemingly hopeless pits of despair, that there's always God, that the one and only light, the one and only source lives in every single one of us that in the deepest, darkest, seemingly hopeless places, there's always light. The light may be buried under piles of crap, but it's, it's never out, it's never extinguished. You are the light, it's inside of you, but you must be still. You must give yourself permission to sit and be. And so I invite you to sit in your anxiety. I know it sounds crazy. The last thing an anxious person wants to do is sit still. But ever noticed how many stars you can see, how bright the moon is when you turn off the lights, when you leave the bright lights of the city, the noise, how loud the crickets can sound, the wind, how brilliant the moon and stars can be when you shut out the noise. And so I want to invite you to think about like how much better things taste when you slow down and close your eyes. And sometimes we do it instinctively that you taste something that's so good that your eyes just close and you just kind of savor that moment. And the same principle applies here. Not that anxiety is pleasurable, but that when we slow down, 
we get a better sense of what's happening and what's going on. So when you're sitting in your anxiety, there's this shift, this consciousness, this shift in being, this shift in choice. The choice to sit is a choice to take control. Ironic, right? The very thing you're chasing, in this case, control, you already have it. It's already inside of you. But it only works on you. You see, the disorder and anxiety disorder is about trying to control your environment or trying to control other people. And that's never going to happen. Now, you may have temporary control over something or someone, but everything changes. Many of us find our peace, our self-control, and our sense of safety after several failed attempts at trying to control other people or trying to control our environment. But real peace and safety is an inside job. It starts with self-control, self-awareness. So as you give yourself permission to pause, slow down, stop chasing the peace, the safety, stop chasing the love. As you give yourself permission to sit in the anxiety, to be still and notice, notice your anxiety. What messages does it have for you? Every emotion is a message. Anxiety lets us know we care. Right? And it becomes disordered when we're afraid of losing the thing we care about. We're afraid that somehow we're in danger. And so if we sit in the anxiety if we can let it communicate with us, notice what the anxiety is made of. Where is it coming from? What's its source? How big is it? Is it heavy? Is it jagged? Is it sharp? What is it trying to tell us? How does it feel? How does it sound? Is it big or is it small? But really get to know your anxiety. Is it one big mass? Or do you have like anxiety clusters? Or do you have a mass of clusters? Sometimes we're so 
busy running from our anger, so busy running from our anxiety, we're not sure what the danger is. So I want to invite you to stop and look at the thing that you're afraid of. Is this made up? Is it real? Really look at it. Is it multiple things? Is it just one big thing? Sometimes there are a bunch of small concerns that become small worries, that become anxiety, that becomes the fear, that becomes this big thing that we're not even sure where it started or where it's going. And so I want to invite you to really look at your anxiety and see what it's made of. And if it's multiple things, prioritize them. Really look at them. Prioritize them. Put them in order. So is this one more important than this one? Is this one more likely than that one? What I've learned is that if everything's important, nothing's important. Right. And so there has to be some kind of order. Otherwise, we're kind of paralyzed by choice and paralyzed by indecision. So I want to invite you to look at your anxiety and prioritize them. Where do you start? And as you are examining them, as You are prioritizing them. Look at how they're affecting you, right? Figure out what scares you about them. Where is this fear coming from? Where did it start? Is this yours? Or is this your mom's or your dad's or your grandfather's or your grandmother's? And sometimes we end up just kind of inheriting fear and inheriting anger and inheriting anxiety, right? Um, So looking at what's really going on, are you afraid that you're going to lose your job? How realistic is it that you would lose this job? Um, have you been showing up as your best self or have you been slacking off and so you're at risk of being fired? Or is the company downsizing or shutting down altogether and there's this need to look for a different job or maybe volunteer somewhere or rebuild your resume? So really looking at the thing you're afraid of and then coming up with some strategies, what can I do about it? And if there's absolutely nothing you can do about it, is there someone else who can help me? Maybe it helps to get more eyes on the situation and so that you're not so in it and overwhelmed by it, but that you can put some space between you and the thing and get a better grasp on 
what can happen, what should happen. So sitting in the anxiety is not about ruminating, worrying yourself sick or complaining or panicking. No, it's an invitation to sit as an observer, not a victim, an observer. And as an observer, we're not swept away by it. We're not overwhelmed by it. We are looking at potential strategies. We're not threatened by this potential unknown. We're looking for possibilities of release, possibilities of de-stressing, right? That we're not victims of the anxiety. We become commanders of the anxiety, right? But first, by commanding ourselves, getting control of ourselves. How do we show up for the new job? How do we show up better to keep the current job? How do we improve our communication to preserve the relationship with a friend or partner? How do we improve our financial situation by budgeting differently or by eliminating the extra coffee or the extra fast food by learning how to cook. But sitting in the anxiety, there's a quiet and a peace that allows for space, space of possibility. So in the present moment is clarity. Sitting in the anxiety is the choice to be in it, but not of it, not letting it control you, but by controlling yourself, we change the chemistry, we change the order. You can see better when you stop splashing around out of control. You can hear better when you stop running. You can think better when you turn off the noise. And so again, I invite you to sit and settle down. And then move through the fear into the peace that you seek. So often we're thinking, just get over it. Just let it go. And it's not a matter of getting over it or letting it go. It's a matter of moving through it and then laying it down with respect. Laying it down. Sometimes what's lost is too sacred to just let go. It needs to be laid down with respect and honor. And so I invite you to consider sitting in the anxiety and allowing for the space of now and the possibilities of peace and freedom. Thank you again for your time and your permission. And until next time, be well.